there was an article about young readers becoming enthralled with Agatha Christie's novels. Did anybody see this? Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Now think about this. Agatha Christie died in 1976. She never had a cell phone. She probably never saw a computer. And her books are drawing young people because they're seeing in them an unfolding of a mystery and a story that is exciting but requires you to really pay attention and follow it. Well, I remember when I was a little girl, and some of you are going to remember this too because some of you are as old as I am. Do you remember the shadow? Oh, yeah. Every time we went on the trip, the shadow knows what lurks in the hearts of men. And we go on with the story about it. So it's a mystery. You would always see it unfold. And I am going to suggest to you today that the Trinity is a mystery. It is a story that we cannot totally understand. Three substances of the Godhead intertwined, perfect, and separate. And the more we reflect on the Trinity, I think and the deeper we go, the more we really realize that we can't comprehend everything. And I'm going to suggest to you that maybe that's one of the purposes, that we are constantly drawn in in new ways, learn and understand. So, today is Trinity Sunday. Trinity Sunday began um, in the 9th century by Pope Gregory IX. But it was not made official until the 14th century by Pope John XXII. And that Pope said that celebrate the Holy Spirit. But since You know, it combines much more than that. I think that that was a narrow focus. The Trinity is not like any other Christian festival that we celebrate because it is not an event. It is a concept. It's a doctrine. It's about relationship. It's about opening yourself up. It's about an indwelling. (coughs) It is about... God communicating with his people, speaking to his people, loving his people, entering their lives. St. Augustine once wrote, if you see charity, you see the Trinity. Now, he wasn't just talking about charity as giving money. He was talking about the charity of a person who loves somebody, who reaches out, who offers help, who interacts. If you see charity, you see the Trinity. So, how did these first followers of Jesus begin to understand the Trinity? Now, you have to remember, they weren't Christians. They were Jews. They were Jews who had met Jesus, who recognized Jesus as the Son of God. So they knew God from their background. They 
met God in Jesus, and then this spirit falls on them and changes their lives forever. And they know because the Jewish faith has always proclaimed there is one God. And so they begin to understand that this one God manifests himself in different ways. And so they began to understand the Trinity as being both separate and yet unified. Now, if you want to start reading commentators, which I'm sure you're all going to rush home and do, you'll find that one of the terms that is used to explain Trinity is called perichoresis. And if you were in the chapel last year on Trinity Sunday, we talked a little bit about that. Peri literally means around, and uh, Corrine means to move or make room for or um, draw someone in. So how that works out more rationally is to begin to see the Trinity and the and common um, the researchers will tell you this. It's like a dance of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit moving in unity in union, but drawing each one of us into the dance. I see it kind of like a square dance, where, remember how it used to work? You, somebody would be pulled in, and then you'd move around, somebody else would be pulled in. That's what I see when I envision this. But I also saw, many years ago, what I thought was the perfect example of the Holy Spirit. A friend and I were on a retreat, and we climbed to the top of this mountain, and there were three eagles, and they were flying. We sat there for 30 minutes, and they flew a circular pattern around each other for 30 minutes in perfect unison. It was amazing. And I thought, that's the Trinity. They're three separate, but they're intertwined, they're connected, they're moving. So, the Holy Spirit, okay, we're going to go into a little more liberal stuff here. The Holy Spirit has been described as both male and female. Now, does anyone remember that several weeks ago, I said I saw the Holy Spirit as feminine? Y'all remember that? Okay, you might not have agreed with me, but somebody did come and tell me that he thought I was wrong. (laughs) But we're going to consider that. I've been told I was wrong before, so it didn't bother me. Okay, I'm going to tell you that it is more often seen as masculine. But I want you to remember that the people who translated the scriptures were what? Men. They cleaned it all up. They made made it all a little monk sitting in there transcribing. Because 
If you look at the Greek, I mean, at the Hebrew word for spirit, it's ruah. And if you look at the Greek word, it is pneuma. Now, interestingly enough, both of those words are feminine. So, not masculine. Those are feminine endings on the end. So I'm going to tell you, it's up for grabs. This is not a salvation issue. If you want to believe it's a man, go ahead. If you want to believe it's a woman, go ahead. I I wouldn't go with genderless, but anyway. But even in the reading that we heard today, who spoke in wisdom? A man or a woman? was a woman. A woman speaks wisdom. Now, I'm not putting down the men here, but I am showing you that there are different interpretations of what the Spirit is. And I think a lot of it maybe comes from the identifying in ourselves what we really need or look for. So, it doesn't matter which way you want to go, but it does matter that you understand the concept of the Trinity. Because that's the most important aspect. The Spirit guides us into truth. Sometimes it prompts us to act. Have you ever really felt like, this happened to me one time many, many years ago. Somebody had mentioned to me, and I was somebody I didn't know. I mean, I knew the person who mentioned it to me. But I needed to pray for this person because she had cancer. And I was a pretty new Christian at the time. So I started praying for this person. And I was praying for this person every day, sometimes two or three times a day. And one morning, one of my typical times to pray was when I was in the kitchen after everybody left and I'm cleaning things up. And I realized I didn't need to pray for that person anymore. And I found out later, she was healed. But I think sometimes, that's the spirit. When they lays a burden, a prayer burden on you, it's the spirit who speaks to you and guides you. Um, Not everybody is going to experience the spirit in the same way. Because the spirit meets us in the way we need to be met. So, three aspects of the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, intertwined, perfect, and yet separate. A mystery that we are invited to experience. Let's look at John's Gospel for just a minute today. Jesus says to his followers, I have many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them right now. You cannot bear them right now. So, what is this that the disciples are going to have to bear? I mean, we know, looking back thousands of years later, that Christians um, were sent into the arena with the lions. Christians were martyred all over the place. They were killed. They were um, ostracized. All of this. Maybe... The early disciples weren't quite ready 
to hear that. They're still on the edge of the adventure. They have just received the Spirit. They have just proclaimed, and 3,000 people have been baptized. Maybe they're not ready yet to bear the tragedies that are going to take place within their community. All of us deal with unbearable things. If you look at your own life, what was unbearable in your life? Um, They are the things that we don't wish on our worst enemy. It could be a cancer diagnosis. It can be the death of a loved one. It can be a child that runs away. It can be any of the things that bring you to tears. Any of the things that move your heart so deeply that you begin to look and let the Spirit enter and touch those places and bring healing to those places and change you as you understand. But the flip side of that is there are also unbearably happy moments. Think about the time you first held your child or your grandchild, that baby in your arms, and you were moved to tears because it was such an unbelievable miracle. Every birth, an unbelievable miracle. And we have those things. We have those times when our joy is so enormous that we can hardly believe that we are that lucky. And in both the unbearable, difficult times and in the unbearable, joyful times, the Spirit is there, waiting to be invited in. The Spirit is there loving. The Spirit is there. And you need to be open. We all need to be open to its presence, to sit and let it come. We often cry out to God, where are you, God? Why did this happen? I answered, that was the question at Uvalde when we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Tragedy, where are you, God? Why did this happen? And I don't know the why. And it's an unbearable tragedy. But yet I know that God was there. He was in that school. He was there at the moment of your deepest need, your time when you cry out, where are you? And instead of turning away, I think we need to rest and open up our heart to receive what what he has to say. Okay, we have to seek. We're never alone. And so in a minute, a few minutes, we're going to come and receive communion. And it is going to be one of the powerful ways that God speaks to us and says, you are never alone as you receive this. You are receiving me deeper into your life. Now, 
I changed the Eucharistic Prayer C, and I know some of you are probably not happy, but each Eucharistic Prayer tells the story in a little different way. And that's why we need to hear each one. It speaks to us differently. One of the first things that we'll say is lift up your hearts, and we do that in all of them. So as you're hearing it today, I'm going to invite you to really lift up your heart. Where does God want to touch your heart? And we hear about in the prayer today this wonderful creator God who who did all of these things. Think about this God who created a garden and put man in it. This God who sent his son to redeem the world, to live in the world, and the God of the Holy Spirit who comes to enliven our hearts and to change us and to bring us into deeper communion, to make the love known. Trinity is about experience. It's about relationship. It's about relaxing and being into the presence. When you come to the table today to receive communion, I want you to know that each and every one of you has received a special invitation. It is your time to come up and let God touch you where you need to be touched. So, I'm going to end here with a quote that reflects the nature of the Trinity. It's by a man named Mark McIntosh, and he says, The Father pours out the the divine life into the Son. The Son speaks and embodies this life. And the Spirit brings them together in passionate delight and love. I think that's a great quote. And we're invited into that, to live into the Trinity, to be a part of the dance, to experience God at all levels, and to seek and find him at all times. Amen. Amen.